0: everyone uh, welcome to week seven of issues in social stratification today we are looking at civil stratification particularly the system of citizenship in part one we're going to focus on the concept of citizenship and in part two we're going to look at citizenship within the context of birthright and incarceration as we have seen in all complex societies resources are distributed unequally with the most privileged individuals, families, corporations, and countries enjoying a disproportionate share of income, power, and other valued resources. This disproportionate distribution illustrates systems of social inequality or stratification. The stratification system refers to the complex of social institutions that generate these inequalities. Inequalities and system, uh, systems of stratification that privilege certain individuals in social locations over others are well known. So like I mentioned in the first week, inequality is not an, not an enigma or a puzzle. For instance, we understo- understand the role race, gender, and class, as well as other social locations have in shaping social inequality, as well how they intersect to create complex systems of stratification. Inequality is produced by two processes. The social roles in society are first matched to reward packages of unequal value. Then individual members of society are then allocated to those positions. As we've seen in previous week discussions of race and gender, the rewards that these two matching processes have are multidimensional and range from economic rewards like wealth and income, to power, uh, like household or workplace authority, citizenship is a critical but often critical but often overlooked social role that is matched to reward packages um, like civil assets of being franchised, the rights to work, uh, right to civil institutions, um, with benefits like marriage, as well as um, uh, the right to be politically active. A citizen is a member of a political community, which is defined by a set of rights and obligations. Citizenship, therefore, represents a relationship between the individual and the state, in which the two are bound together by reciprocal rights and obligations. Citizenship is a legal status and an identity. Thus, there is both an objective dimension of citizenship, which is specific rights and obligations, which a state invests invests in its members, and a subjective dimension, that is a sense of loyalty and belonging. However, objective citizenship, like rights and obligations, does not in, in itself ensure the existence of subjective citizenship, meaning meaning these rights and obligations don't necessarily ensure a sense of loyalty or feelings of belonging. The reason behind this is that the members of groups that feel alienated from their state because of social disadvantage or racial discrimination cannot properly think of themselves as full citizens, even though they may enjoy a range of formal entitlements. Further, citizenship is a complex complex and unequal experience that depends on interactions with other social locations. For instance, a sick child from a high-income neighborhood in the United States is likely to receive better health care than a sick child from a working class family in a poorer neighborhood. So this is illustrating how um, this idea of citizenship is is a complex and unequal experience. The President of the United States received the best healthcare in the world um, for COVID, while thousands of people across the United States were told, or are being told, to only come into the hospital if they can't breathe. Another um, example of citizenship as a complex and unequal experience that depends on um, how it interacts with other social locations like wealth and income, class, race, gender, etc. So why do some receive better medical attention than others? Do some individuals merit better health care than others? Ultimately, citizenship does not equate with equality. In fact, stratification systems are built into our democratic system, the result in unequal manifestations of citizenship in terms of civil assets, franchisement, right to work, and many others, as I've discussed. Before we go um, into th- that in a bit more detail, I'm going to outline some general conceptual ideas of citizenship. T.H. Marshall in 1950 defined citizenship as a full membership of a community. According to him, citizenship con- is, was constituted by three elements, civil, political, and social. Civil rights equal or mean the um, rights necessary for individual freedom, so the liberty of the person, freedom of speech, thought and faith, the right to own property and to conclude um, vital contracts and the right to justice. Institutions closely associated with civil rights are the uh, courts of justice. political rights are the right to participate in the exercise of political power as a member of a body invested with political authority or as an elector of the members of such a body institutions closely associated with civil rights are the parliament and councils of local government and finally social rights which are the rights to a modicum of economic welfare and security Um, institutions closely associated with that are the educational system and social services, uh, social services like healthcare care, um, that kind of thing. So Marshall's scheme, those um, those three civil rights, political rights, and social rights, this idea of citizenship focused on a specific period in British history, the mid 17th to the mid 20th century. and since then has become the subject of much criticism. For instance, Brian Turner explained, at the heart of Marshall's account of citizenship lies the contradictions between the formal political equality of the franchise and the persistence of extensive social and economic inequality, ultimately rooted in the character of the capitalist marketplace and the existence of private property. Marshall proposed the extension of citizenship as the principal political means for resolving or at least containing these contractions so um turner's critique basically was that citizenship is a contradiction that actually instead of um instead of containing or removing um inequality it actually contributed it actually contributes to inequality so ultimately the Marshall's definition included civil citizenship or the idea of equality for the law and individual rights, um, political citizenship, universal suffrage, and social ci- social citizenship, the notion that all members of uh, polity ought to enjoy and share at least a basic level of social, economic, and cultural well-being. In 1993, um, this definition of citizenship was expanded by turner to include to be um, the this definition of citizenship as a set of legal economic and cultural practices which define an individual as a competent member of society such practices shape the flow of resources to individuals and social groups this definition allowed um, us or allows us to analyze how individuals and groups have differentiate different differentiated opportunities of becoming competent members of society so from this point of view citizenship identity um, the sense of belonging and solidarity is necessarily connected with the problems of unequal distribution of resources in society so the um, the way a person feels connected to their citizenship identity or feels a sense of belonging uh, is connected to their access to resources within a society. Citizenship has been described as having three dimensions, status, exercise, and consciousness. Citizenship status is the set of rights and obligations between individuals and the state. Only those individuals and groups which fulfill all the requirements that define citizenship in a country will have the formal recognition of the state. So filling all these requirements, um, so for instance, or one illustration of someone who is not fulfilling their requirements and therefore is not having does not have access to formal recognitions would be people who have been incarcerated, um, who were no longer allowed to vote which we will um, look at later citizenship exercise so the second um, dimension refers to the conditions necessary for the realization of citizenship rights and the incorporation of new rights or the transfer transformation of needs into legitimate rights finally the third dimension Um, citizenship consciousness makes reference to the conviction of being a citizen, or the feeling that you are a citizen, with the recognition of the state expressed in concrete practices that assure citizenship exercise. So, citizen consciousness is in turn formed by three elements. First, the knowledge of citizenship rights and duties. Second, the identification of the state as responsible for granting those rights and duties. And third the recognition of legitimate means to make demands the state plays a fundamental role in the creation of citizenship consciousness because it arises from a re- reflexive process if the state So this process, if the state, its authorities, and institutions do not treat individuals as citizens, but as subjects, then those individuals will not be able to develop a citizenship consciousness and consequently will not be able, will not be capable of identifying the legitimate procedures for making demands. So making demands uh, as citizens, who see themselves as citizens. Okay, so for a regime to be, so just kind of making this connection between democracy and citizenship. For a regime to be classified as democratic, the presence of seven institutions must exist. Those are elected officials, free and fair elections, inclusive suffrage, um, right to run for office, freedom of expression, alternative information, and associated autonomy. autonomy. The idea that effective democracy depends on social development and economic well-being has been present since since Aristotle. This correlation, however, is far from being simple or linear. The relationship between economic development and democratization is mediated by diverse factors. One of the most influential is the pattern of income distribution. As has been illustrated throughout this course, inevitable tension exists exists between democracy and social inequality. We know that democracy means nothing if it does not entail rule or participation in rule by the many. In other words, democracy can be considered considered as the extent to which the political power of the elite is minimized and that of the non-elite is maximized. Yet in a stratified society, the many have less income and wealth, less education, and less stature than the few, meaning they have individually less power. In societies characterized by extreme inequality, it is very difficult to assure the presence of a democratic society. Even when free and fair elections could exist, the uneven distribution of resources would restrict the capacity of the subordinate population for seeking and processing information and organizing. It would also limit their capacity to articulate their interests within civil society uh, and to exercise their rights and duties of citizenship due to preoccupation with the task of survival. Ultimately, the material security and education, as well as access to information, the information necessary to exercise citizenship are not guaranteed to everyone by the mere existence of democratic democratic institutions. Hence, some groups remain incapable of exercising their rights and obligations uh, as citizens or rights and obligations of citizenship. We face a new monster, Democracy democracies without an effective citizenship for large sections of the political community. So bringing up this, um, this kind of brings up this idea of second-class citizens. So in a liberal democratic regime with extreme social inequality and poverty, um, this produces an exclusive political structure in which only a minority can articulate its demands systematically and effectively through the legitimate channels. So if we recall this consciousness and being able to um, have, have your demands heard as, is an important aspect of uh, citizenship. It is in this situation in which groups like women, ethnic minorities, poor, the unemployed, are uneducated, uneducated commonly regard themselves as second-class second class citizens because social disadvantage prevents their full particip- participation in the life of the community. As a legal status, citizenship is, in theory, universal within the state. This means that everyone that fulfills the requirements of citizenship established by the Constitution has a set of civil, political, and social rights and duties that determines their access to social and economic resources. However, this idea of the universality of citizenship assumes that laws and rules are the same for all and apply to all in the same way, which ignores inequalities of wealth, status, and power among citizens. As a result, citizenship, in in practice, citizenship is not a universal experience. Any attempt to realize an ideal of universal citizenship will, in fact, exclude or disadvantage some groups, even when they have formally equal citizenship status. In a society where some groups are privileged while others are oppressed, the perspectives and interests of the privileged will tend to dominate this unified um public marginalizing or um silencing of those of other groups. All right. So that's what we're going to we're going to look at for um this first podcast in this first part. Um, in the next part of the lecture we are going to explore in more depth um the stratification of citizenship and its impact um for various groups focusing on today's reading, particularly birthright. So looking at birthright, citizenship, and um, mass incarceration.